Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. As always, this is David, and Chris is back with us uh, this week. Chris, we got the band back together. Yeah, we did, man. Good to be back. How you doing? Man, I'm 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 doing well. Uh, before we get going, I do want to uh, say thank you again to Gage Patterson for uh, pinch hitting last week with the My Morning Jacket episode. Had a lot of fun, a lot of good response from it, and uh, uh, like I told him last week, we'll have him in the bullpen for uh, next time one of us can't uh, make an episode. So once again, I want to thank him for helping us out. Uh, please, as always, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Instagram at Digital Kill the Radio Star. Subscribe to us via iTunes. That's the easiest way. If you get a chance, please rate us and review us. Um, I can't tell you how much that could potentially help us down the line. And uh, we have a YouTube channel, uh, Digital Kill the Radio Star on YouTube. And this week we're going to be posting some videos from some shows that we saw. So uh, if you like what you hear us talking about, you can actually see the evidence of that. Uh, on YouTube. Well, Chris, this week is not going to be a typical week. We do not have a script to follow. We do not have a topic per se. So it's just going to be a free-for-all podcast. Uh, One of the things I wanted to talk about before we got started with with what you did in New York is uh, rock news this week. There are a couple of stories that are kind of gaining some momentum uh, in the news, whether you go to like Blabbermouth or any of the other news sites. I'm not a big fan of Linkin Park. Are you, Chris? No, I'm not. You know, I remember that first record I was when I was in college when it came out and it was huge. And you know, it. I will say, it, it, some of those songs were really catchy. Um, I understand why it was popular. I do. You know, especially at the times when uh, you know you really had in, in the mainstream, Corn, Limp Biscuit. You know, these kind of rap metal type you know fusions and understand the popularity and i mean they did have some catchy tunes they were probably better than a lot of those bands with that first record yeah i, I didn't realize i think that thing sold almost 10 million copies man it was huge that doesn't surprise me i mean they had what two three singles that just were non-stop rotation right in the end and crawling and i can't remember the other one but... crawling is that one really that i remember that one for sure well so they have a new album coming out and if you get a chance People, if you're listening, go to, don't pay for it, <laughs> go to Spotify and listen to the, the singles off this album. I cannot tell you how horrifically bad this stuff sounds. It, it I played it for two different people at work this week that are, that are music fans, and I think both of them actually like uh, Linkin Park, and they legitimately thought I was playing a Justin Bieber song. What, what was my first reaction to you when you when you told me to listen? I said it, it, I said I'm not making a joke like I, I normally would. I'm being dead serious. This sounds like what you would expect here from Justin Bieber. I mean, it, it really does. I don't hear a difference. No, there is no difference. And the the newsworthy part of this, Chester Bennington, the uh, lead singer of Lincoln Park, I guess is tired of the the blowback that they're getting from their fans. And he basically said the fans need to get over it and quit trying to compare everything to Hybrid Theory, which was their debut album. It, but, man, if I'm a diehard Linkin Park fan, I'm, I'm jumping off the ship right now without a life jacket because it, well, th- th- it, this is bad. Well, you know, here's how I would, how I would explain it. You know, it's okay to evolve. And if you, if you evolve in the right way, your fans are usually going to stick with you. You know, you too. 
Joshua Tree to Antoon Baby. Noticeable shift. But, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously they did it in the right way. I, we, we mentioned the last time I was on this podcast, we mentioned a band I love, Life of Agony. They they progressively got, went from hardcore to more of a metal to almost hard rock sound. But they didn't make, like, these drastic changes. I mean, we're, we're talking borderline metal to pop. I mean, I, I really would say it's the same thing as if, it's the same thing, like, the way that this Chester, is it, is it what's the last name again? Bennington. Bennington, okay. So Chester Bennington is mad at the fans for saying this. Well, it'd be like if if Taylor Swift decided to make a record in the vein of L7. If you remember L7, you know, had the single, we, you know, Pretend for Dead. I don't think her fans would really stick with her. You know, if Justin Bieber came out and he made, you know, he made a record and it was he was trying to sound like Metallica. The fans aren't going to stick with him. So, I mean, it's one thing to get mad you know, if you if you're like trying to, an artistic change, but when you're doing a completely different shift, and you expect your fans to stick with you, buddy, that ain't happening. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to sell well, and I think it's going to wind up hurting them in the long run because I think they really have alienated a lot of people. It, yeah, well, I saw too, I saw too the um, how I cannot think of his name the the uh, uh, the Slipknot Stone Sour Corey, Corey Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Corey Taylor, I saw him, he was, I think it was on Blabbermouth, he was an interview with him, and he was like, man, I, I get the frustration with your fans, you know, being upset, but man, that's not the way I would have handled it. No. You know, talking about the way he freaked out, though he just freaked out on his fans. Yeah, so uh, we'll keep it, we'll keep in tune with this and see how it sells and see how, uh, if the fans warm up to it, I can go ahead and tell you they're not. The next big thing that happened this week was Michael Anthony, the original bass player for Van Halen, was on Eddie Trunk's Serious Volume show one day this week. And, uh, you know, Michael Anthony's considered one of the good guys in rock and roll. I, I've, I've never heard anybody say anything negative about him except uh, Eddie Van Halen. And, you know, you can take that for what it is. But anyway, so he's on there, and there's been a lot of speculation that David Lee Roth is out and – at some point, Hagar is going to come back in. And Hagar said, I'm not coming back in unless you let Michael Anthony back in. Well, anyway, Michael uh, said he thinks the best way to handle this was would to be have David and Sam uh, come back and each one of them, you know, come out and do an hour of their songs. And Michael, of course, played bass and basically said he thinks the time is right. And for those of you who don't know, Michael Anthony recently had a grandson that passed away. I think it was due to a heart condition. And so he's been going around raising money uh, for this foundation that I guess that deals with th that condition. And uh, he got a note that there had been a $10,000 donation from David Lee Roth. And so he reached back out and he said, you know, hey, is this really you? And uh, basically Roth said, yes, it's me. Very sorry to hear about your grandson. I'll be talking to you soon. And so, you know, the Van Halen fans uh, went crazy over that and, uh, this afternoon as I was driving back, I did see where Sammy Hagar came out and said he thinks this reunion is quote-unquote lurking in the woods somewhere, and uh, it's not far off. So uh, I think it would be interesting. I would definitely go pay to go see it. Chris, would you, would you be interested in seeing that? I would love to see it. You know, I mean, the big two, you know, the, the, the big parts that make me wonder, like, is it possible? I mean, obviously, Sammy, you mentioned Michael Anthony being one of the good guys. Uh, I think Sammy is as well. And... I think those guys would, would jump on it in a second. Uh, truth be told, Alex probably would as well. 
But your problem's going to be, first of all, you know, Roth is, I mean, I mean, he, is there a bigger, does anybody suffer from LSD more than he does, lead singer's disease? Um, secondly, is Eddie going to let Michael Anthony back in and take over for Wolfgang? And, you know, the thing I would say to that is, you know, Wolfie is doing just fine. You know, he's got a career without Van Halen. And I'm, I'm not saying you got to kick him out of Van Halen. Just let Michael Anthony in on this tour. And then whoever's going to be a singer after you do this one tour, if it's going to be, if you go back to Roth or whatever, bring him back in. But for the one tour, for the fans, bring in both singers, like you said, give them an hour each and let them alternate, you know, who goes on last each night. You know, if you do, if you do 20, if you do 50 shows, they each get 25. Um, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be phenomenal. I mean, I think it's one of those ones that they're willing to really play. You don't even need to have an opening act. You know, no. come on, play play about a two and a half, three hour set and be I done. Mean, it'd, be, be, it'd be awesome. Yeah, be done with it. And I mean you make both uh you make both camps happy as far as their fans go. So I, I think it would be well attended. So keeping our fingers crossed that that will happen uh soon. I would de- like I said, I would definitely pay to go see it. Well, Chris, we normally at this point in the podcast talk about uh new music or albums that we're listening to. I don't really have anything new. Uh, I know one of your favorite bands. As a matter of fact, you just sent me a text a few minutes ago said they're now your second favorite band. Afghan Wigs has a new album out. Uh, I was able to listen to three songs uh, on my way back home tonight, so I really can't comment all that much on it. But I know this is an album that uh, you really like, so I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you sell it to everybody. Okay, cool. First, first, though, I want to step back to the news. One other thing I did just want to mention, a band that I loved, loved, like in college, early 20s, um band called the Juliana Theory. They were an emo band before emo really kind of took off. I mean, they were, I guess, in that, that wave just behind, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the forefathers, like Sunny Day Real Estate. But it's a band called the Juliana Theory. They are, they're getting back for reunion tour hopefully they'll lead to new music um if you never heard them check them out when i want when i say emo i mean it's not totally totally just sad depressing i mean it's it's more of a in the vein of like a taking back sunday um but they were a little bit especially the second record emotion is dead were a little bit more experimental um adding keyboards and all great great band check them out i'm glad they're getting back together hopefully i'm gonna be able to see them in nashville um back to afghan wigs Yes, they just released an album called In Spades. Second album since they got back together. I believe they got back together in 2012. Yeah, I've, I've finally just reached, like you said, I've reached the realization this is definitely my favorite band on Social Distortion. Um, Greg Dooley, the front man. This guy can do no wrong in my book. I mean, I just think he's a genius songwriter. And when I got In Spades, I'll be honest, I, um, unlike most Afghan Wigs albums, it did not grab me. And... Um, so I was, I was like, oh, okay, this is a little disappointing. After living with it for a week, not only has it started to grab me a little bit, I I love it. I cannot quit listening to it. Um, it's just, I mean, it's just it's, it sounds like an Afghan Wigs record, but a little bit more modern. Um, kind of touches of his his uh, other band, Twilight Singers. I can hear a little bit of that in there. Um, you know, check it out. It, uh, it's got a song on it called. Song, my favorite song on it is a song called Toy Automatic. Uh, I guess the lead single, I think, is Arabian Nights. Or, yeah, Arabian Heights. Um, 
I like all the songs. I think it's great. This is a band that, if you're not familiar with this band, check them out. I mean, I've talked, if you've listened to our podcast, I've talked about Gentlemen and Black Love you know, like crazy because I, I could probably put both of those two records in my top ten of all time. Um, this is just a really underrated band. Um, you use this term a lot. You say musicians bands, and I see people like, you know, Brian Fallon and the Gaslight Anthem constantly tweeting about these guys. Um, I can't say enough. If you've, if you've never heard them, you're looking for something new, check out their new record, In Spades. It's fantastic. I mean, for, so far, I'd say it's getting, it might be a, you know, we're still pretty early in the year, but I could see this being a front runner for album of the year for me. Well, I did listen to the song that you were talking about, uh, track number four. Is it Toy Automatic? Yes. And, and that was good. And I, I, I went back and you cautioned me not to judge it by the first song. And uh, it's a good thing you cautioned me about that because, man, that, is it Birdland? Um, yeah. Yeah that, yeah. yeah, that was that was strange. Chris, it, gets, you know, it, it does start to, I will tell you this, it, it does start to grow on you. It's still, you know, there's 10 tracks on the album. I consider tracks two through 10 great. And Birdland, I don't hate it, but it's just. It's, it's a slow start to a great album. Well, how long has it been since their last album? For some, for some reason in my head, I have it being like 15 years. No, no. That was, you know, it, it was, the last one they did was called, um, was called uh, Due to the Beast. And it was released, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just throw out a year. I think it was around 2014. But that album was the first one since you know, God, probably around 98. Yeah, okay. I think it was the first one in like 16 years. So you're right as far as the long gap. But um, but no, it was... Uh, this one did not take as long. Um, they're back. They're doing a tour. You know, if I'm, I do want to catch them on one of, the, one of the shows. I think they're playing Nashville and Atlanta. So Have you ever I'm seen gonna them? I'm going to try to get to one of them. Yeah, you know, Shannon and I saw them at Riot Fest, and they were great. But you know, at Riot Fest, you're going to get you're going to get a shortened set. So I'd like to see the full thing. Um, so I, I do plan on trying. To, Shannon's already reached out to me about possibly you know doing one either Atlanta or Nashville, and I'm gonna try to make that happen. Well, you had another album you wanted to talk about. Uh, was the guy's name? Is his name Matthew Ryan? Yeah, and this is not the quarterback for the Falcons. Um, you, you, you wouldn't listen to Matt if Matt Ryan of the Falcons put out an album. If it was as good as Abbey Road, you wouldn't touch it, would you? I probably wouldn't. I'd find a way to hate it. <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah, Matthew Ryan is a singer songwriter, and I was thinking earlier how how can I compare it? How can I bring it up to somebody who's never heard him? If, if they're listening to this, like what what am I looking for? What am I? What am I? What am I to expect? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, the the good thing is, I can't really easily compare him to somebody, and that that is a really good thing. But if I had to, I would say he kind of goes more like maybe think between the vein of solo Brian Fallon of the Gaslight Anthem meets, you know, maybe like a Jason Isbell, but not as not the not the southern twanginess. But he has an album he just released just yesterday. It's called Hustle Up Starlings. And again, just released yesterday. I've already listened to it about three times. His last one was called Boxers, and it was 
incredible. And this one maybe is good. So these are two new albums, both Afghan Wigs and Matthew Ryan, that I highly, highly recommend buying these records, support these artists. Um, you know, it's it's been lately, I will say, the past few months have been and ordinarily, it seems like every time I come on here, I'm telling you about new music. Ordinarily, I don't have this much, but it's just been for me personally. There's been a lot of good music being released, which brings me the, to the point. They say is rock dead? No, it's not. It's far from dead. It's it's just dead on in popular music. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's the case, and I agree with you. There's been a uh, nice little outflow of, of um, music the last hmm, two or three months, and. I've got uh, June the 9th circled, uh, three three bands, albums that I'm really looking forward to are coming out on the same day. Government Mule, The Magpie Salute, which is essentially The Black Crows without Chris Robinson, and the new Jason Isbell. So I'm um, going to have a full uh, full day of listening. I have that day off, so I'm probably kick back and listen to those new albums. Chris, I uh, got on our Facebook page and basically said, hey guys, we're not going to be recording a topic-centered podcast this week. Um, anybody have any questions for us? And Sonny Pooney, who's one of our followers, sent me a two-part question, and I think it's an interesting one. So I'm going to give you the first part, and we'll discuss it, and we'll go through the second part. Uh, he asked, when should a lead singer call it a day? There are folks talking about Paul Stanley not sounding great lately, which honestly is true in my opinion. So... Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? That's really, really tough. It's tough to answer. Because from a fan's perspective, if you no longer can do it, you kind of want to see them just give it up and call it a day. You know, if they no longer have the range. You know, you mentioned, you know, you know, you mentioned Vince Neil of Motley Crue. He sounds just awful. And so... Yeah, I mean, from a fan perspective, it's kind of like, you know, maybe it's a time to call it a day, but if the fans keep buying tickets, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I, I know that's a weak answer. I don't know how to really answer that because they're still supporting you. I mean, I may say you suck and say quit because you don't sound like, you know, like, for example, he mentioned, he mentioned Paul Stanley. You don't sound like you did on Alive, okay, but I'm still selling out arenas. Right. So I don't, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? I think, like you said, I think I think it's um it's a tough question because if you're if you're Vince Neil and Motley Crue and you're still selling out ten thousand seat arenas or you know selling out seventy five percent of a ten thousand seat arena, you're making a nice living, and so it's hard to. It's hard for us to say, well, you should walk away from it when you're walking away from, you know, considerable uh, amount of money. But I'm with you. Vince Neil, he, just can't, he cannot sing. You cannot call what he does singing. Um, another example is uh, if, if any of you out there are familiar with the band Slaughter, I saw some um, videos of Mark Slaughter, and he just, I mean, he can't, he can't hit the notes like he used to, come anywhere close to it. So, um, I think at some point, though, you have to put your pride, um, you know, um, you have to let that be your top priority. An example of somebody that has not slowed down is Michael Sweet of Striper. And you would think with his singing style that his voice would be gone. And his voice, I think, is as strong as it's ever been. 
you know, it makes you wonder is, um, is, is it his lifestyle though? Right. You know, I mean, a guy who doesn't, who doesn't drink, doesn't party. Well, I say he doesn't drink. I mean, just because he's a Christian band doesn't mean he's drinking. He doesn't, doesn't mean get it, hammered but, all the time. But yeah, exactly. He's not out there getting hammered every night, and, you know, doing drugs and, well, he, I heard him say one time he thinks the big one of the biggest reasons his voice is the way it is is he's never smoked. Well, I was about to say smoking, too, and I couldn't say for sure that he didn't smoke, but I can say that I've seen him live, and I've, I've actually met him after a show, and he wasn't smoking at all, and he was out there a good bit, you know, hanging around. So I, I didn't think that he did. I just didn't know that. Well, the second part of Sonny's question is, what are your thoughts on how bands should exit performing for good? Uh, he gives examples of Kiss, ACDC, Farner, and Judas Priest. Um, that's a good question, Sonny. I think um, when it gets to the point that you're embarrassing yourself, dis- despite how much money is coming in, also, I would think when it gets to the point that it's just not fun anymore. And, you know, you're... Especially you think about some of these, like... I hate to head the term, but hair bands from like the late eighties, you know, like LA guns and trickster, they're, they're playing some of these bars and there's like 50, 60 people there. Well, I mean, if you, you know, if you saved all your money and you got 10 million in the bank and you're just doing this because you love it, then, Hey, I'm all for that. But you know, there's no way you're making a decent living doing that. But as far as like these big bands, like, I personally think ACDC should, you know, they're not going to have Brian Johnson or um, uh, the bass player Cliff Williams. He's done. And then the drummer, uh, Phil Rudd, he may or may not be in prison. Um, I would I would probably call it a day. But Foreigner, he lists Foreigner here as an example. They have some shows now when they play, they do not have an original member playing. It's actually probably most shows. Most shows. And so, but they're... They're making great money out touring. So, um, Sonny, I, I don't know. In my opinion, it's just whenever you get to the point where it's it's truly work and you're not making any money or, you know, you're embarrassing yourself. Chris, do you have any ideas? Well, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the, the you know, with the, with the singers, you know, as far as when they should step aside. I think a band like Foreigner, in my opinion, even if they – this, this is my opinion. Even if they are bringing crowds – I think it's a joke because it's a cover band, hundred percent cover band that every now and then an original member will join you on stage. So that's an example of where you got to hang it up. Um, you know, if it, these bands where there's one original member, I don't personally like that. And, you know, I, I guess I kind of have a tough time. I, I'm not sure where exactly the question is going. Is it, is it, you know, when they should get out or how they should exit, you know, because you take, think about one thing that drives me crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, his question is how that, that go ahead. Okay. Cause this is one thing that drives me crazy. If you're good, if you say you're gonna, if, it, if you say it's a farewell tour, end it. And if you want to come back five, 10 years later, great. But when you say it's a farewell get out there and tour for a year, two years and end it. Otherwise <clears throat> you're just selling the fans a load of crap. You know, it, it's like the Scorpions were going to do a two year farewell. I went to see the farewell tour. They never stopped their farewell, rare tool, their farewell tour was supposed to be two years. 
was probably five, six years ago. They've even put out um, a new album since then. Yeah, and then Kiss has done farewells so many times. The Who has done these farewells. They keep coming back. It's just, guys, enough. And that's why with Motley Crue, I, I really hope they don't come back. You know, not because I don't like the band, just because it drives me insane when somebody says it's a farewell and they come back. Know when you're going to quit. Be serious about it. And again, if you really feel like you want to come back, and it's, you know, REM's a good example. REM quit, and you haven't heard a word from them since that last album, which was what, probably around 13? Is that when they went? Something like that? Yeah. Let's say in, in, in two, three, let's say three years from now. It's been seven years since that album, and way longer than that since they've toured. And they want to do a little reunion tour. Awesome. I'm going to get in line for a ticket. But just, guys, fair well tours, unless you know you're going to do it, stop it. It's ridiculous, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, or at least be honest about it. Like, uh, Black Crows, when they have quit, quit they've called it a, a, you know, a hiatus. Yeah. And that's what that's what the Gaslight Anthem has said. They didn't say they officially broke up. They said they're just an indefinite break. Well, you know, I think one of the the great examples of this is a couple of years ago, the Grateful Dead had these concerts in like uh, San Francisco and I think Chicago, and which is it's funny that they're quote unquote like an anti corporate band and they were just selling everything you get your hands on, and they turn around like two weeks later. And basically go out on tour, and they just uh, don't have one of the members that they had for the final shows, and have John Mayer playing with them. And you know, and they're out touring, and you had people that spent so much money um, f- for those shows, and then you know they're essentially back out. So I'm with you. I think when you start, just be truthful. When you start lying to the fans, just be truthful about it. Call it a hiatus, or say, hey, you know what, guys, this is probably it. Like. I think the way Rush did it was really good this year, this past year. You know, they basically said, "We're not saying we're not going to tour again, but we're not going to do a large tour." You know. Yeah, and that's and that's what I'm saying. I understand you may not be a hundred percent, but if you're not a hundred percent, just don't call it don't call it a farewell. Yeah, you know, Bob Dylan. I think his tour. I don't know if it's technically a farewell tour or not, but I think that's the joke that his his has been going on for about twenty years or so. Well, Chris. Uh, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, you and I both had full weeks of um, live music, and you traveled to New York to see. Uh, you wound up seeing, I think, three shows. So yeah. why don't you um, kind of walk everybody through who you saw and what was good about it, and 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 give us a review of those three shows. Okay, first band that I saw was a band we talked about probably probably about a month ago. It's a uh, it's a band called Astronoid. And this is a band, if you're looking for something unique, something different, something fresh, this is it. They are, this is a young band. I mean, these guys look so young. It was, we saw them in Brooklyn, small club, small little little rock metal club in, in Brooklyn. These guys are, I didn't realize they were a, it's a, it's a five piece and the singer plays guitar, and then there's two additional guitarists, and they all play lead. They're all really good players, and the band just, it was, they're, we, we, again, we talked about before, they, they labeled themselves as dream thrash. You know, some people call them shoegaze. Uh, if, you, if you don't know shoegaze, just think My Bloody Valentine. But it's, um, but these guys definitely have, 
more of a when they see Dream Thrash, they're a thrashy band, but the vocals are very soft and melodic with harmonies. And it mixes, it, it works a lot better than you would ever imagine. And to show just kind of how, you know, to show the, I guess, the, the styles of the band, you know, one of the, um, when we saw them, one of the guitarists had a Ghost t-shirt on, and, an, and another guitarist had a Morrissey t-shirt on. And I thought that it sums up the guys best. But they were, I mean, this was just classic head spinning, you know, yeah, to the thrash metal just like the old days, uh, young, energetic band. They were spot on, sounded just like the record. Uh, I know they're, um, I really hope these guys start to get noticed. You know, they, they really deserve it because it's, it's such an original sound. And I was happy to see that they've got not a, not a full tour, but they've got two shows where they're going to be opening for ghost. And, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, you know, you know, rock metal, then you probably know who ghost is They're a really big popular band. And so I'm really happy for these guys and hope they get noticed with it. I know one of the markets, I think, maybe is Philly. So that'd be a real good one. They're going to be here opening for a band that I've never heard of in, in Memphis, that is, and I think in July, I saw recently. So I'll definitely be go check, going to check them out. Um, give these guys a chance. You know, if they come to your town near you, go see them. I promise you, they sound so tight and they are in a amazing show i was there with my cousin and we both were just blown away talked about it for probably the rest of the trip about how good they were um i know david you'll probably put up a, a video or two on the site i sent to you so check them out i think you may like it and then the the second show i saw was ryan adams I saw him at the legendary beacon theater which is just an incredible beautiful beautiful theater in um, the upper west side of manhattan if you ever get a chance to go there go see it but ryan adams was it was such a good show i mean he probably played two two and a half hours and very career spanning as far as solo work you know he opened with you know do you still love me which is off the new album and closed with come pick me up and i don't think you can have a much better beginning and ending from new to the old he was uh the band was fantastic he was great. He's really witty, witty stage banner. The set list was, again, career-spanning, great, great set list. A couple of times he would come out with just an acoustic guitar. He did uh, he did Wonderwall, the Oasis song, just him and an acoustic. He did English Girls Approximately, which is, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that song. He did that one solo acoustic. And it was this is my third time to see him and it was far and away the best, not just because of the, the venue. It was just a better show. How did his, backing, I, how did his backing band sound? They were amazing. They were super, super tight. It was, it was, it was just, like I said, it was the best I've seen him. And I don't remember him being so witty on stage. That's something that seemed to be happening more these days. So it, it was, it was a really, really good show. You know, money well spent to go see the guy. Uh, and you know we had it, of course the beacon there's not bad seats in the place but we had four throw off in the first balcony so it's great views um yeah he's he's still he's touring now he's got a pretty extensive tour he's probably coming to a city near you go check the guy out and the last one we saw was just kind of on a whim it was our last night there we were there for five nights so i said okay okay what are we gonna get into tonight and my cousin had heard of this band and I say band, I mean, let's use that loosely because it's really a, uh, uh, it's a married couple, singer-songwriters. They're called Over the Ryan. 
they've supposedly been together for nearly 30 years. It's, uh, it's very, God, how could I, you know, I'd almost put it back, at least when she does probably the majority of the, the singing, I put it maybe in the vein of like an Emmylou Harris type, but they were really good. We saw them at City Winery, which I've always wanted to check that place out. And I know now they're starting to open a few more city wineries across the country. I know there's one in, I know there's one in Nashville now. There's one in Atlanta, but I think it, I think the New York one might have been the first. But it was just it was a um, it was a good good week of music in New York. I I enjoyed all the shows, but especially you know Astronoid and Ryan Adams. So the the new stuff from Adams, how does it sound live? Really, really good. I mean, do do you still love me? Was such a good opener, and trying to think of the other ones that he played off the top of my head. I know he played Doomsday, which was really good. I mean, I've, I've told you before, I'm a big fan of that one. And then, oh man, I wish I could think of the name. I mean, there, I mean, there were a couple other ones that he played on there off of it, but they, they came on really well. And, you know, you and I have talked about it. We were talking about it just the other night. I think this, and this is my opinion now that I know we did a, a pod, one of our first, our first podcasts was on Ryan Adams and, you know, it's kind of tough to say, yeah, we both liked the record, but, you know, we really hadn't lived with it very long. Now it's been out, what, a few months at yeah, this point? Yeah, almost three months. Yeah, I can I can firmly, you know, we did our top five Ron Adams albums, you know, from including Whiskey Town. I might have to try to find a way to fit this one in my top five. And so when those, and I would say I probably would fit it in my top five. So... This is one of those artists when a new album comes out and they play new songs from it, you're not you're not disappointed. You know the new songs are not bathroom break songs, and so yeah, they they sounded really good. Yeah, I I, I still listen to it and and still very much in agreement with you. It's one of his uh, one of his best albums, and um, that's you know I'm glad he's playing a lot of those live. The clips that you sent me that we'll have up on the YouTube channel sound sound really good. Um, yeah, they were, and the band sounds good. Well, the while you were in New York, I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Went to see uh, Def Leppard, Poison, and Tesla at the Tuscaloosa Amphitheater, and it's my first time ever going to this amphitheater, and I was really, really impressed with it. And gone online and looked, and a lot of people uh, are impressed with it. So if you're in that area, it's a great place to go see a show. It's right on the river that runs through uh, downtown Tuscaloosa. So it was my first time seeing Tesla, and I, I was really excited to see them. They got about 30 minutes and uh, just came out and just played a great set with um, uh, with Frank Hannon on guitar. He, he was clearly the probably the most talented person that would be on that stage that night. But they just played a great set. They sounded awesome. They're tight. It's a shame that they that they aren't bigger than, than what they are because they're very talented. And I do not like ca- count them in that category of glam metal. Uh, I know you don't think that's that way either. Do you, Chris? No, I don't. You know, they're, they're more of just a, a straight up rock and roll band. You know, they, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I can't, I can't really, I can't call them glam cause I, I don't think they ever put out a glam record, you know, and they don't, I don't think they, I guess if you look at the back of uh, of mechanical resonance, it's a little bit of a glam type look, but not too bad, you know. So they, for the most part, they were a t-shirt and jeans and no teased up hair, no makeup, you know, just a 
a rock band that had enough of that sound, you know, the, you know, verse, chorus, you know, verse, chorus, solo, that type thing. Yeah, I had enough of that. It's where they kind of got tied into it, but, you know, no, they're not, they're, they're not a glam band. Well, they, they sounded great and they played about 30 minutes. So up next was Poison. And uh, if you've seen Poison in the last 20 years, then you've seen the same show that uh, I saw because they do not change their set list up. And, uh, you know, for as frustrating as that is um, for people like you and me who, you know, Poison was one of my gateway bands that really got me into everything. So I'll, they'll always have a you know special place in my heart. But um, it is critical as you can be of their set list and, you know, they're not the greatest musicians on earth. Man, when they come out there and, and, and turn it up, you just have fun. And, uh, you know, you forget, you know, well, they should be playing this song over this song. But they were um, they were fun, put it to you that way. They were fun. Um, real, you know, had the crowd the whole time, uh, high energy. They played for about an hour. And so then they, they take down Poison and Def Leppard comes on. They're the headliners. And... I cannot tell you how loud this show was. I think the only time I've been to a concert louder than this was a Kiss Ted Nugent concert. I hate it when it's that loud. They were so loud, but the thing was they weren't distorted at all. Normally when you have it that loud, you know, you just have this wall of sound coming at you and it's hard to discern, you know, who's playing what, but they sounded great and the the backing vocals that they do in concert are just amazing. I wish a lot of people would take um, take notes from that. I did think one thing that was interesting was uh, the whole time they were playing, Brett Michaels and some of the guys from Tesla were sitting on the side of the stage watching them. But they played about 90 minutes. They played three songs off their last album, which is an album I actually really like. I think it's somewhat of a return to form. They played a song called Let's Go, Dangerous, and Man Enough. The song Man Enough I don't care for. The other two are really good. They played those. Of course, they played their hits uh, really cool moment when they play S- switch 625 which is instrumental off high and dry band was tight tight anyway they had the crowd eating out of their hand the entire time and uh, it was a lot of fun so if that tour I think it's still going on another month or so comes around your area uh, it's definitely worth the money because you're going to have a lot of fun Chris have you ever seen Def Leppard before I haven't no I never have seen them you know they won that you know, they're a, they're a hits band for me. You know, I don't I don't even own a single record of theirs. They just I liked the stuff that they had, but it never really moved me that much. Even as a kid, uh, I, I was like you. You know, Poison was the gateway drug for glam, and um, Tesla. I was really I was really big into Tesla for uh, especially middle school. Yeah, go and I, I mean, I still remember the excitement I had when when uh, Psychotic Supper came out. And yeah, I've seen Poison several times. I have seen Tesla. And I also, also saw Tesla as... Last time we did this, I said I saw them as, as Sofa Kings, but they were actually playing under Bar 7, which was um, yeah, Jeff Keith, vocalist. Um, I believe Brian Wheat was in there, the bassist. And Tommy Skio, who was an original guitarist, who is no longer in the band. And... It was, I remember it was, I remember they opened up for, uh, they opened for LA Guns. Wow. Bar, Bar 7 did. And it was, it was in Nashville in this little rock club and it was pretty packed. 
And I remember when Bar 7 was done, I would say about a third of the crowd left before L.A. Guns even came on stage, which was kind of sad for L.A. Guns, but but still. Um, yeah, they, they're they good. They're a really good band, like you said, really good musicians. You know, um, yeah, Frankie Hannon is, was always a really solid player. I always loved Skio. And from what, I, from what I've seen, seeing him live, it sounds like, uh, what's this guy's name, Rudd? Dave, Dave Rudd. Dave Rudd. Rudd. Um, yeah, from what I've seen of him live, he seems to carry the torch pretty well, Skio. I don't really know. haven't heard much of their new material, to be honest. You know, it's, it's a band that I probably should listen to their newer stuff. I did listen to their, I did listen to their comeback album, Into the Now, and I remember really liking that album. Yeah, they actually played that. Uh, the title track off that was the opening song. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of that particular song, but I did like that album. I thought it was, I thought it was a good comeback album. But yeah, I mean, you saw, um, you definitely saw some nostalgia, some some bands of my of of my youth. That's for sure. And and I, I'm like you, I feel the frustration of going to see Poison and getting the same set every time. Hey, I do have to ask you a question though about Poison. We didn't talk about this, so. And I hope you're going to say no. Brett Michaels, about the I, I've probably seen this show, this the summer tour, three or four times. I don't know. And I think every time, at least the last three, he comes out and when they play "Ride the Wind," he goes, "People have been asking us to add this to our set list. They keep asking for it, so we're doing it. We're playing it for you. We're bringing it back." And he does that same spill every time, and it's like, dude. You did this last summer, right? Did he do that? No. Uh-uh. Thank God. I mean, he, it's like this is this is. You realize most of these people coming to see you saw you on the last tour, and you're tell, telling us again that you're adding this back to the set list, and and the second, the, you know, the second giveaway as to why your line is, you don't add new songs to your set list, right? Yeah, they're they're wanting to hear "Life Loves a Tragedy" and uh, "Back to the Rocking Horse," Brett. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about this. I realize when you play, you got to do a greatest hit show for the fans. Okay, I, I for I'd say for the fans, for the casual fan, I get it. I, I'm a hundred percent on board. But instead of doing a cover, which might I add, your covers are not really good choices, and you don't do them that well. So instead of doing one of those covers, give us "Life Loves a Tragedy." You know that that's the. That's the part that drives me crazy. You know, if you if you're not going to play one of your, if you're going to play somebody else's, why not just play one of yours, one of your, you know, one of your album cuts? Because probably half your crowd's going to know it. Yeah, I mean, like if you were to play Flesh and Blood, you know, the song, not the album, the song. Think of how many copies that album sold, and that's not back when people people didn't really just buy uh, a ton of singles at that point. Think about, yeah. I mean, if that thing sold four million albums, that's four million people that know that song. I mean, listen, to the, think about even if this, now, now, don't get me wrong, this isn't one I would want to hear live particularly, but what if they threw out something just so completely random? I could think of this being like, you know, like an early set thing, something like Number One Bad Boy, kind of to your point that so many people own that album that they would probably remember it. Yeah. You know, I just, I just don't, I just don't understand why you don't do that. You know, that, that's that's my biggest gripe. You know, that's the cool. Th- you mentioned, we mentioned Ryan Adams. I know Ryan Adams doesn't have hits, but he changes up his set list from his tours. You know, I, I saw Asteroid. They really can't do that. They have one record, right? But um, 
which is a fantastic record, by the way. Good, check them out. But I realized that, you know, like Ryan Adams changes it up, you know, most bands do, but they play the same thing every single time. And I just, it's, it's a little, it's a little frustrating, but, oh, I mean, and you told me too, you said you saw that one of the shows, they, you looked at a set list of a show where they headlined and what they added was, what do you say? Rock and roll all night and a Brett harmonica solo. And a Bobby doll bass solo. Uh, let's repeat that. A Bobby doll bass solo. Yeah. And, and no, not to these guys, you know, they, none of them are all-star musicians, you know, which does remind me, I remember on, um, Behind the Music, I loved this quote. They were uh, interviewing on Behind the Music. I, it just sticks with me. Bobby Dahl was basically acknowledging the fact that he's not a world-class musician. And he said, I didn't set out to become a musician. I set out to become a rock star. And I became one. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's awesome. That's really awesome. I hey, loved his attitude on that. Hey, he's being honest. Yes, I loved his attitude. You know, it's like, Basically, like, F you, you know, if you're talk- dissing my music ability, I don't care. It's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a rock star, and I did it. Well, so, Monday, Monday, this past Monday night, you and I saw a rock star and a great musician. We went to see uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, at the FedEx Forum in Memphis. And Chris, you know, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the show after it was over with because it was, it was late, and we both had to, had things we had to do. But that was one of the best concerts I've ever attended. Yeah, you know, I um, I told you that, that the first one that I saw him, the first time I saw him was one of the best I've ever seen. And that being said, you know, this is not going to shock you. If I had it labeled the time that I saw, first time I saw him as one of the best concerts I've ever seen, he's probably not going to be able to top that because that's going to win just from the point that was the first time I saw him. But I understand why you would put what you saw the other night as one of your best. Yeah, you know, does that make does that make sense? Yeah, you know, you yeah. see him the first time, it yeah. just stands out more. Right. And so that's not knocking what I saw on Monday night. It was a really, really good show. I, um, you know, he he played for the most part. You know, he, if you have as many hits as Petty does, you're not going to get to hear everything you want to hear. But I'd say he came pretty close. Yeah, I was I was thinking on the next day on the drive home, I could come up with about twenty other songs that are varying degrees of hits that he could have played. But I mean, he can't play forty songs a night. The guy's almost seventy years old. Yeah, and the thing is, he did. You know, we were we were talking about it before with a buddy of ours, and he he looked at the set list like, man, that's weak. He's not even playing two hours, but it's not a lot of songs. But it did that show did stretch out probably close to two and a half hours. Right, and you know we we're talking about the hits. You have some bullets in your arsenal when you're five songs in and you've already played Last Dance with oh, Mary Jane's Last Dance and uh, Free Fallen. Yeah, and you know one thing that I love is he pl- how he plays. I- I've told you this before, but that I love that soundtrack to to uh, She's the One. And this is kind of on that soundtrack. First of all, I love the movie. That's just a movie I really love, and and so I've always loved that soundtrack. And the song Walls, I love that he plays that live, which, by the way, I don't, I'm don't. i getting off track a little bit. We'll get back to the show. I don't know if you knew this, but um, I think I saw, I don't know if it was Petty or Edward Burns who, who made the movie. I think it was Edward Burns was talking about how he asked Tom Petty to record a song for the movie, if he would you know, or give him a song for the movie. 
and obviously gave Petty a copy of, of the film before it came out. And uh, he loved the movie so much that he decided he wanted to do the entire soundtrack, which I thought was so cool. I mean, he scored the thing, did all the songs. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, and that's when he was at the height of his powers. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the show was the show was great. You know, you got the you got the the majority of the at least I would say at least the monster hits he did. Right. Well, and we were talking before the show, and actually during show, and for a second afterwards, the Heartbreakers don't get the recognition that they um, deserve. And I thought one of the interesting things was when he was introducing the band, uh, Steve Ferron, the drummer. He was like, I've played with a lot of great musicians, and this may be the best one. And I think I had leaned over and told you beforehand that Steve Gorman said, this is this is one of those guys that the drummers look at and go, wow. And, you know, Mike Campbell, such a good guitar player, doesn't do a lot of solos, so people don't think he's a virtuoso. And then Ben Tinch is just a monster over there on the keys. And, you know, Ron, Ron Blair's back with the band on bass, and uh, Scott Thurston, who's a kind of the multi-instrumentalist they sound so good and to think of how old they are and it's like you were saying when they were playing they were having fun you, at that age you can't fake that that's what you okay the, the bands when you the bands when you see that that they're that age or, or singers or whatever that play that long you just can't convince me that they're doing it for money. Okay, Kiss, sure, because Gene Simmons would sell his kit for you know for the right price, and everybody knows that. But but um, when you look at Petty playing near two and a half hours, Paul McCartney, when I saw him, played probably a couple of minutes over three hours. Uh, Springsteen usually plays about three and a half. None of those guys are hurting, and the common thing between all of those three that I just named, they all look like they're having a blast. None of them look like they're, they're just reeling it in for a paycheck. It shows. And when a band is having fun, you have more fun. Yeah. And like I said, they can't fake it that age. So if I had to put a gun to your head, what was the highlight of that show for you? You know, I, I, um, it might've, this, this might've been just from fondness of the first time I saw them. But first of all, I love this song. And I think it comes off just amazing live. And that's uh, Don't Come Around Here No More. Well, we agree on something, Chris. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the one, the cool thing when he played that, you remember the video was kind of like that Alice in Wonderland type thing? Right. Well, I remember the first time I saw him, he had this, what looked like a, it was, well, there's a chest on the stage. And he walked over to it for the song opened up the chest and this huge beam of light shot straight out of the chest. He reached down into it and he pulled out that hat or at least a hat that just looked like it from uh, that video, that tall, I guess, purple hat or whatever. Right. And he put that on and then they just started the song. That's I just thought cool. that was so cool. But, but so yeah, you didn't get the chest the other night or the, the little trunk treasure trunk chest. Yeah. You didn't get that, but it still comes off so perfect live. And I, that's one of my top Petty songs. I can't say it's my favorite, but it seems to always be my favorite live. Yeah, and at the end, with the extended solo at the end with the strobe lights, it's just it makes for a great yeah. visual and great you know audio. It was yeah. I, I would say that was my favorite. And I, I tell you, 
They have a song, uh, It's Good to Be King, that I really don't care for, but live it sounded really, really good. They extended it, uh, made a nice little jam out of it. And then, um, I, gosh, there's so many. I really liked uh, I Won't Back Down uh, live with the crowd singing the chorus. That that one was just a lot of fun. And just here, and just here, and another one just is, I mean, about as American music as as you can get. American Girl. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, I just that is, I mean, that that's just that that's one of the most perfect, you know rock songs that there is i mean i you can put american girl with like born to run as far as just anthem american just american rock anthems right and he's petty's just he's a national treasure i mean when something happens to him it's going to be as big as when we we lost prince um you, you think about it he's basically the soundtrack to our life there's there's you cannot find anybody that does not like petty if they're being honest Country people like him, metal people like him, uh, you know, hard rock people like him, uh, soul R and B people like him. It's just, it, and the thing is, he has a great ability to write a good pop song at times with it out coming across as cheesy. You know, he walks a fine line, like you know, with Free Fall, and that that could, that's a pop song, and that's not a rock song, that's a pop song, but he walks a fine line with that, and just. Tom Petty's always on the radio, you know. Well, I told you, I told you this quote on a um, on a prior podcast when I was talking about, you know, one of my favorite artists, Butch Walker, and they interviewed. They were asking him. They said, "So, you know, they said they basically asked the question, like, are, are you know, are you a pop artist or whatever?" He said, "Well, I guess I'm pop in the way that Tom Petty is pop." And I thought that was the best answer he could give because, and I think that's that is the way that Butch Walker is. They both, both Butch and Petty, they have that. They write pop songs, but it's still rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And they just have they just have a great way of just writing just like a just this poppy feel good rock song. And that's what that's what Petty does. I mean, he's one of our great American artists, and so it's it's cool to get to see him. You know, he. I, I encouraged my cousin, the one that we went to, that I went to New York with. I encouraged him, you know, hey, and he, it's not like I had to pull, you know, twist his arm. Right. He, uh, he, he likes good music. And I was like, man, you got to go see him. And he saw him, I think it was, I think it was, a, was, it was the night of that, that Lucero show that we went to. He was in Dallas seeing Petty. And he wow. was like, yeah, man, he was, he was great. He said it was just hearing all the songs basically you wanted to hear. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, so if you get it, if you get a chance, I mean, I know I'm saying that about everybody, but you know, I, I typically don't go to see shows I don't want to see. So you know, unless they really screw up, I'm gonna tell you to go see them. But all these, all these that we've named, all worthy of going to buy a ticket for. Well, Chris, before we call it a day, you have anything else to add, or anything else you would like to discuss? No, I think that's about, well, I, I will say this too. I mean, I know we're all over the map. I mean, the fact that we've talked about a singer-songwriter duo like Over the Ryan to a rock band like the Afghan Wigs, metal astronoid, um, you know, singer, singer-songwriter Matthew Ryan, just a, you know, an American classic and Tom Petty. I'm going to bring up an American classic in punk and metal. I did hear a new Danzig song 
I listened to it. They had it on Blabbermouth. I listened to it today. It's a song called Last Ride. And, man, I really liked it. You know, I, I don't know what, what the album will be like, but as far as new material from a guy who's getting up there in years, it was a, it was a pretty cool sounding song. Still had the same old evil Elvis sound, you know. So I don't know what to expect out of it, but it's it's cool to see a guy that's, I mean, Danzig's got to be 60 now or better. And uh, it's cool to see that he's still putting out, you know, something that sounded a little bit more in vain of his old stuff. I challenge anyone listening to find another podcast that can talk about that talks in one podcast <laughs> about the bands we talked about today, or maybe even in their entire history of their podcast. <laughs> but that's what makes this great. And before we finish, I want hey, to. We did mention Taylor Swift too, though. That's Keep right, that Taylor Swift. I do want to thank. Bieber. I do want to thank everybody for uh, listening. Uh, like I said on the my morning jacket show, the prior week we had people from seventeen different countries listen to us. Which that's that's really cool because, you know, we're not using state of the art equipment or you know we're not professionals, just two guys that love talking about music, and so the podcast is growing. So I, I couldn't be happier with that. But if you get a chance, please follow us on social media on Twitter at Digital Killed or uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. That's the easiest thing you can do, and you don't have to do anything. When we upload this sometime within the next twenty four hours, it'll just pop up on your phone or. Uh, in your on your iTunes on your desktop and you can listen to us. So uh, I do want to thank everybody for listening. I'm glad we have Chris back with us and we will be back with you in one week. Hope everybody has a good one. Thank you. <laughs>